Reading will come from Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 7. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat of the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took it and ate some. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made covers for themselves. Thank you, Heath. I want to join with Donnie in welcoming you here today. We're so glad that you are uh, have chosen to worship with us here at Savannah. If you're visiting here today, I hope this will not be your only visit. Hope that you'll be back at every opportunity uh, that you have. This is a great day. It's going to be a good day. Uh, it is, and I didn't realize this until yesterday, this is actually National Back to Church Sunday. And so if you're back to church for the first time in a while, we're glad that you've chosen to be here. And I think it's a good day for another reason. Uh, maybe you can identify with this thing that, is, that sometimes happens to us. Maybe you have uh, kind of made a new start at some point. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to follow it all the way through. I'm going to get this done over a period of time. And sometimes we start off pretty strong and then we... We kind of lose some of our momentum, and then before long, we've kind of fallen completely out of the plan. And what I'm saying today is what we're starting, if you'll stay with it over the next 31 weeks, and that sounds like a long time, but but it's going to move quickly. We're moving through this story quickly. If you'll stay with it, you're going to make it through the story of the Bible. And I think that's exciting. Now, in leading off, I thought first today about, I want to find the perfect illustration. I want to think in terms of maybe something very compelling, uh, the story of somebody who seemingly had it all and then threw it all away. 12.15 last night I was thinking about bad interceptions and five turnovers. It was asked of me this morning, did I lose a bet and is this an old myth tie? Let the record reflect it's not. But on a more serious note, when I started trying to think of the perfect illustration, you can't narrow it down to just one. Because the, the dangly, shiny thing that, that hangs in front of us, that's always been this huge problem for us as humans. You see it at the highest level of sports where somebody seemingly has it all and, and they throw it all away. And you, you think of the Lance Armstrongs of the world and the Roses of the world and you know sometimes the dangly shiny thing ends up being a drug addiction or a drug that's used or sometimes it's a, a gambling addiction, a gambling problem, something like that. Sometimes it's just the story of the famous guy. He's been handed all the money in the world and then... Two years retired out of playing sports, he's broke. Because the dangly, shiny thing was everything that life had to offer and everything had to be purchased. 
And sometimes it's the marriage story or the family story where the marriage or the family gets thrown away because the dangly, shiny thing was a he or a she. It's in Scripture with guys like Esau. And I begin there this morning because in the very beginning of our story, we see God creating and then people choosing to kind of throw it all away. Genesis 1, the beginning of the story or the beginning of what God shares of the story as it relates to us, God shows up in Genesis 1, the very first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The beginning of the story is that God is. He's, he's there. He, he's, he's active. He's creating. And the Bible says that He accomplishes this, like we just sang, He accomplishes this over six days, and on the seventh day, He rests. And as on that sixth day, as He's creating, as that creation ends, He's immediately communicating with man. Uh, Verse 28 of Genesis 1, God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Immediately, He's creating, or He's communicating with people. Thinking about God's creation. You may have noticed in your reading this week that as we read or you're remembering from your reading before, as God is creating, the record in Genesis says five different times that God saw what He had created and it was good. And then you get to the sixth day and God has finished everything up and He's created people. And there in Genesis chapter 1 at the end, it says that God looked at what He had created and it was very good. In a sense, though, and we talked about this in our Bible class this morning, in a sense, though, I believe you could make the case that that what God had created was perfect. I mean, you think about it. God, from the very beginning, He takes a very special interest in man, in people. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, let us make man in our image, the only part of the creation that has that designation on it, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Man is created in the image of God, and then what you see from God is God wanting to have a relationship with man. In other words, you could say that relationship is a core passion for God. In the beginning of the story, it's perfection because what you see is God in the garden after the fall that we'll talk about in a few minutes. You remember what happens over in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8? Uh, the Bible says, Then they heard the sound of the Lord walking, or the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. In other words, see, God, as He created perfection, He wants relationship with the people that He's created. And so He's in the garden with them, spending time there. God has provided everything, everything needed. And He's going to ask very little from the people that He's created. 
The other thing that you notice about this, God has also brought something else into the mix that's very, very important for a relationship. He's provided the people that He's created, Adam and Eve, He's provided them with the freedom to choose. And when you think about relationships, relationships that don't involve some aspect of freedom to make a choice, they're really not great relationships. And so you get the idea, God loves, He's loving these people, He loves, but He doesn't force us to love in return. Notice how He sets it up. Notice Genesis chapter 2, verse 9. Out of the ground... The Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight uh, and, and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so these two trees are in the garden. But then notice verse 16, the Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. And so I've created you, I want to be in relationship with you, I want to spend time with you, but I want you to have the freedom to make the choice. And so the only thing I'm going to ask of you is, I've got this one tree here in the middle of the garden, and I'm going to ask that you don't eat of that tree. Because in the day you eat from it, you will surely die. We, people, Adam, Eve, we choose we choosed, we don't choose, we chose to reject what God had created. Beyond the throwing it all away stories that we talked about at the very beginning this morning, there's another story that maybe some of us in the room, uh, maybe you can identify with this story. If it hasn't happened to you, you've probably been there and let somebody cry on your shoulder when it has. But it's that story where you, you fall in love with this person and you're dating this person and you know that this person is the one. You're going to spend your life with this person. But the person that you've fallen in love with, they don't love you the way you love them. And so you end up breaking up and then you end up despising each other forever. Kind of. Maybe. See, God loved Adam and He loved Eve. He loved the people that He'd created. But as people, we, we weren't loving God the way He loved us. He gave us this choice and, and we made a choice to, to declare our independence. We made a choice to try things our own way. And He thread a few minutes ago out of the beginning of Genesis chapter 3, the, the, this story of the serpent deceiving Eve... The servant was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, as God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God had said, You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die, for God knows that the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. See, here in Genesis chapter 3, the deceptive, shiny thing, it's, it's a mixing of some truth with the mixing of a lie. There's this fruit, and, and, and you know, you're, you're not going to die immediately. Now, God could have chosen for them to die immediately, but for whatever reason, He didn't. And so the lie was, you're not going to die, but the truth is, no, you're not dying immediately, but you're going to die eventually. 
because you've rejected what I've asked and you're not going to have access to the tree of life. Notice Eve's response, verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took some fruit and ate it and she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. You ever rationalized your way into a bad decision? Because that's all the way back in Genesis, from the very top, you've got Eve. She sees that it, it, well, it looks tasty, it looks good. We don't know what kind of fruit it was, but yes, it looks great. And the tree is nice, uh, it's got a visual appeal. And she's believing something that Satan's told her, that she has no real way of knowing whether it's true or not. But she, she rationalizes, she declares her independence, and then there's a crisis. The crisis being that, that verse 8, God shows up. He's walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and Eve, they now know that they've done wrong. They now know they're naked and so they've, they've made them some clothing and, and they're hiding themselves from God. And So then God initiates this conversation. Verse 9, the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked so I hid myself. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, and here's another one that we still do in 2015, and it starts all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. We're really good at blaming other people when we've done wrong. And so the very first thing Adam says is, well, this woman that you gave me, this woman that you handed to me, this woman you provided to me, she is the one that got me off track. The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. He's blaming. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. See, at this point, sin has become a part of Adam and Eve's spiritual DNA. And the effects of sin being a part of their spiritual DNA at this point, the effects of that are far-reaching because sin is now in the world. People now understand right and they understand wrong. You notice from your reading this week that by Genesis chapter 6, long about verse 5, God is ready to do a complete reboot on creation because everything about man has become evil. And you end up with the flood, save for righteous Noah and his family, man is wiped out. David would write in Psalm 51 verse 5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. It's a sinful world. Paul would write in Romans chapter 5 verse 12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. See, we can think about it this way. Sin is this condition, sin is this disease, for lack of a better term, and it is a condition that every single one of us, every person who walks... If we're walking this earth and we have our capabilities to reason about us, every one of us are going to deal with this condition. And the beauty of the story, what we're, what we're about to think about over these 31 weeks is God providing the cure to that condition. God providing the way back. But as we set that up, I think it's important that we notice there are some consequences. You do not have to believe in God to understand and to agree that there are some problems that all of us, all people, face. 
But one of the things that we sometimes lose sight of and we lose track of and maybe we get confused about is that the problems, everything traces back to what happened in the Garden of Eden. God gave one directive, one directive that people could choose in order to be in relationship with Him and we chose to ignore it, we chose to declare our independence and because of that there are some consequences. One of the consequences is pain. When I declare my independence from God, one of the results is pain. Pain for the woman. Genesis chapter 3.16 To the woman He said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children. For the man, in verse 17, then to Adam he said, Because you've listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it, cursed is the ground because of you, in toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It's not going to be easy to make your living. See, everybody understands that there's pain in the world, even if they don't understand why. This past Monday, I was at a conference and I was privileged to hear Jay Lockhart and he was talking about preaching and as he was talking to some of those of us who preach, he, he said this, he said, for any given audience, if the preacher talks about pain, that preacher will just have directly touched one-third of his audience. So that means today, if you're sitting in here and you're not dealing with some specific pain in your life, odds are it's either the person on your right or the person on your left because pain is a reality in our world today. The second thing, the second consequence is death. Genesis 3 verse 19, By the sweat of your face you'll eat bread till you return to the ground because from it you were taken. See, the result... There's death because access to the tree of life is being cut off. The idea, the decision to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in being removed from the garden, Adam and Eve, they no longer have access to the tree of life. And so they are going to die. The third consequence that we see is that of alienation. When I declare my independence from God, the result is alienation. Because of the decision, we are alienated from just about every relationship we have in life in one way or another. There's alienation from God. They go from chapter 3, verse 8, where God is in the garden and He's spending time with them there. You go to Genesis 3, verse 22, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out. There's a broken relationship there. And you think about what happens even in the rest of our reading this week. You think about Cain, and Cain gets mad at God, and Cain takes it out and murders his brother Abel. Alienated from God. And yet, when you study history, and you study civilizations, and you study societies, it's interesting that everyone, there's always this longing in people. To connect with something bigger and better and greater, even if they don't understand what it is they're, they're trying to reach out to. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 says, He has set eternity in their hearts. 
the idea I was created for something eternal. How do I connect with that? So there's alienation from God. There's alienation from each other. Three, chapter 3, verse 16, second part of the verse. Yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. That, that tension that's often between married people. There's, there's tension in relationships. It, it goes back to the garden. We were very youngly married or hadn't been married long. And I remember there was one of the shepherd's wives, she would sometimes teach the ladies' class. And one of the things she would talk about, she would talk about her marriage. And, and, and I guess there are rules because there, are, there, there tend to be exceptions to rules. But she would talk about how you know, she and her husband, they never uh, they disagreed. Their, their kids had never seen them in an argument. And you know, they, she'd talk about this almost storybook situation. And I can remember my wife and some of the other wives with the young ladies at that point, they're coming back and they're saying, that just doesn't seem real. Because they were looking and so often for us, there's a tension. And he goes back to the garden. And sometimes we're alienated from ourselves. We look at the picture of who we want to be and who we know God wants us to be. We look at what we should be and then we look at who we are. And there's often this alienation even from ourselves. And sometimes it'll manifest itself. We've, we've taken the wrong action and maybe you hear somebody say, you know, I just can't live with myself because of what I've done. See, our sin leaves us with a tension. What are the takeaways as we finish up this morning? <clears throat> Revelation 22 verse 14 reminds us of something very interesting. The Bible says, Blessed are those who wash their robes, so they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. Tree of life in the garden, tree of life there where God is in the garden, Adam and Eve have access, there's relationship. Now they're cut off. But over here in Revelation, there's access to that tree of life again for those who choose to wash their robes. God's plan from the beginning was to provide a way back to the tree of life. The idea that man will break this relationship, but I'm not going to quit loving people. I'm not going to give up on people. I'm going to provide this way back. And that's what we're looking at as we look at the story. Even in removing them from the garden, He still loves them. In verse 21 of Genesis 3, He's providing them with clothing. Try to walk out of here today remembering this. The decision that Adam and Eve made to declare their independence, the decision they made to break relationship with God, their decision help explain to us what is often in our world seemingly unexplainable. People in this room, some of you today, some of us are dealing with pain. And some of it may seem unfair, and some of it may seem unreasonable, and some of it may lack any logical explanation. Some of the pain that we endure, it may leave us very confused at times. And yet the pain is real. Death is an ever-near possibility. You, you may be facing something with a member of your family right now where death seems to be very near, very close. 
And sometimes it's a situation where uh, it doesn't make sense. I don't know why this would have to happen now. This isn't the time this is supposed to happen. Again, there's confusion. My plea for all of us today is in those moments, let's try not to blame God for what is seemingly, seemingly unexplainable. So much of what we deal with, it's simply a function of living in a fallen world. A world because of that decision, a world where there is pain, and a world where there is sickness, and a world where there is death. A world where relationships often end up in a big mess, it's not God's fault. Because He created perfection and we rejected that. So let's do what we can to try not to blame Him. If we've got to blame someone, let's blame the real enemy. You know, sometimes we, we've got to make sure that we assign blame. There's something about being human. We like to do that. And it's easy to look at Adam and Eve and want to blame them. Well, how could they do that? I mean, they messed it up for everybody, but the truth is, we'd all done the same thing at some point. Our adversary is Satan. That He's the real enemy. The other takeaway I want us to walk out of here with today, as we explore the story and we're reminded of a loving God who loved us in spite of our rejection, His perfect world, His perfection, if you will, my prayer that as we think about His decision to continue to love and His, His decision to provide the way back to Him, I hope that when we're reminded of all that He put in place to make that happen, that it'll cause us to love Him and to praise Him even more because He kept loving us when we weren't loving Him. Today, maybe you're here and you are hurting. If you realize that you're hurting, but you also realize that you're out of relationship with God, maybe you're a Christian, but you, you haven't been serious about your walk with God, you may be hurting today, and if you need to make things right with God today, it may not change your painful circumstances immediately, but see, being in relationship with God, it will change your destination eventually. Maybe you're here and you've not begun your walk with God. And maybe you need to begin that today by becoming a Christian. Maybe you're here today and you're dealing with a lot of alienation in your life. Maybe the pain is the idea that I am. I'm alienated from God. I know I'm not in a right relationship with Him. We talked about that. Maybe you're alienated from people. You know, maybe there's some relationships in your blood family at home where there, there is a tension and there's an alienation and it may never be perfect, but it's one that you know you need to work on. Let me challenge you to keep loving whoever it is that you need to keep loving and to work that out. Maybe the tension's with somebody here in your church family. God brought us together so that we could help each other go to heaven. He didn't, he didn't bring us together to be alienated from one another. So again, if there's a tension, keep loving that person and do what you can to work that thing out. And again, maybe you're alienated from yourself. If you're outside of a relationship with God, you ought to be alienated from yourself. But understand this, when you come back to God... You're never going to be perfect. None of us are. But that relationship with God is the first step forward. Life is going to dangle a lot of shiny objects in front of us. The tree of life, though, it awaits. Perfection forever awaits. 
And my request for all of us is to live in such a way that we don't risk throwing all of that away. If you have a need in your life today that we can help you with, let that be known while we stand and while we sing. Like nothing ever seen or heard Who can grasp your infinite wisdom Who can fathom the depths of your love You are beautiful beyond description Majesty enthroned above and I stand I stand in all of you I stand I stand in all of you holy God to whom all praise is due I stand To marvelous for words, to wonderful for comprehension, nothing ever seen or heard. Who can grasp your infinite wisdom? Who can fathom? the depths of your love. You are beautiful beyond description. Majesty enthroned above. And I stand, I stand in all of you. I stand, I stand Standing. 